Our text for today, as we reflect upon the impossible work of our God from Luke chapter 18. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child shall not enter it. Here ends our text. Well, as we reflect upon the impossible work of God, we are not talking about whether an old guy can still preach two sermons and do Bible class on Sunday morning. We're working on it, so I'm hoping we will make it through. But we're talking about the impossible work of God as he transforms and shapes us. The impossible work of God is clearly evident as we look at the story of Cain and Abel. I mean, it was clearly impossible for us to get along, and we would like to point a finger at Cain and say, oh, what a bad guy he is, but how long it would have had it been for the rest of us to be caught in problems, jealousy, anger, and resentment. We look at the Pharisee in our gospel reading for today, and we see just how impossible it is for us to be humble And not look down at the other person, you know, who doesn't go to church or maybe doesn't dress as nice as we are. Maybe he doesn't have a home to live in. Humility is hard. Even when it comes perhaps to our grades at school, it's hard. We know that we know better than the professor when we get a B when we traipse over to his or her office and argue for that A. We know what's right. And is it really possible for us to receive the kingdom of God like a little child? Really? Now who here has allowed someone to carry them around and feed them like a little child? Who do we really trust to provide for us every day? The impossible work of forgiveness for our anger and resentment, the impossible work of humility when we desire to raise ourselves up, The impossible work of receiving God's kingdom like a little child can only be done by God. By God who shapes and transforms us as he forgives us in the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus our Savior. He is the one who does the impossible work. We do not. I heard this week, and it's very aptly said, that the only thing we bring to our salvation is our sinfulness. The only thing we bring to our salvation is our sinfulness, and God brings grace and forgiveness, transformation by the power of his Holy Spirit alive and well in each of us. But now we got one more thing to talk about, the impossible work of God that transforms us from being selfish with what he gives to us to being loving to those who are in need. It's really hard. It's so easy for us to be involved in me, myself, and I in making sure that what we have goes into my bank account and that that bank account gets as large as possible. It's God's forgiveness for the sake of Jesus that somehow gives us a new perspective on life and on the world that transforms us and moves us from being me, myself, and I people to being loving and caring in our families, 
in our communities, with our neighbors, in our states, in our country, and even in the world. God does that impossible work in us that his love would move us to be people of love. For I hope today to talk about three things, and that is the first thing, that we know first and foremost why we are people who care for those who are the poorest of poor in countries like Haiti and Guatemala. Second, that we see just how different their situation is compared to the poverty even that we experience in our communities and in our country here in the United States. And that food for the poor might be some way, one way, that you might be able to work through to help these poorest of the poor. We are here because Jesus has transformed us and has loved us. And I'm really surprised, honestly, that I'm here talking to you about this today. I've been a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod for 35 years. I've been retired for four years. And it wasn't until age of 50 that I even had a passport. One day I was answering the telephone in our office at St. John Lutheran Church in Sycamore, Illinois. The secretary didn't answer it that day. I picked it up and the person on the other end said, Pastor, would you like a free trip to India? Happens all the time. I'm sure it happens to you too, right? And you go click, right? Just a prank phone call. Well, it turns out that this was legitimate. This guy was working for a Christian organization that was working with Lutheran churches in India, and they were willing to pay the freight for Missouri Synod pastors to come here, come from the United States to go to India to see what God was doing there. While I was in India, I had a food for the poor Missouri Synod retired pastor, much like myself, come to our congregation in Sycamore and preach there. I should have known better, but while he was there, he volunteered me to go on mission trips with food for the poor. And as my associate pastor said, you know what's going to happen, don't you? They're going to expect you to come back and raise money for them. Well... I went to Guatemala and then to Haiti. And that in combination with the trip to India transformed my view about poverty, about the United States, and about the blessings that God had poured out into my life. I'm here to tell you that poverty in these countries is different than what we experience here in the United States. A few brief examples. We went to Guatemala for the first trip to dedicate a well house and pump for a community that had to go down the hill, carry water up the hill to their town on their heads to use for that particular day. So we went there, a bunch of Missouri Synod congregations had bonded together, raised about $25,000 to purchase this pump and well. And never did you see so much excitement when water went squirting in the air. They had water. They had water that went not to their homes, but to a spigot in the middle of the community that they could go to to fill their urns with, rather than having to walk all the way down the mountain and carry it back up again 
every day. You go to Guatemala and you go to the city dump and it's a huge one. Now, I'm not an expert on city dumps. I don't hang out at them a lot. But this one was large. And as we got there, we saw a group of people a long distance away and as we got closer, turns out they weren't workers in the dump. They were women and children. And some of the women were even carrying babies in their arms and some of the children didn't have shoes on their feet but they were looking in the dump for stuff that they could salvage. And this was a stinky, smelly dump. Looking for stuff that they could sell at market so that they could buy a few things that they really needed. I don't believe you see that kind of sight anywhere in the United States. I don't know that we see anyone in the United States that gets excited about water. We might get upset if our, we turn on our faucet and water doesn't come out. But to have a big party and celebration for a well? You go to Haiti and you drive around and all you see is trash and you see barbed wire on walls because the police force is not able to protect them. You go into a community out in the rural areas and you see houses, and we'll see in just a little bit here, houses that are literally tree limbs stuck in the ground with canvas wrapped around them. No electricity dirt floors that turn to slime in the humidity and the wet weather, no kitchen, just a hole in the ground, and this is what they live in. And every hurricane that comes through knocks their house down, and they have to do it all over again. You go into these communities, and health care is a challenge, to say the least. And when COVID comes, it even is that much more devastating, because they don't have hospitals they don't have places to go. The gangs are beginning to, are continuing to take over after the assassination of their president 15 months ago. Another huge earthquake 15 months ago also has devastated their community. It's one thing after another and they just don't ever seem to be able to get their feet on the ground and move forward in a positive way. When we were there, in 2016, they were getting ready for their election of president, the guy that was just assassinated, and they had 100 candidates for president. How do you sort through 100 candidates when you have little access to the internet and to the TV to elect someone, and then do you trust the one who gets elected, or have they just bought the ballots in order to win? So the trust factor, the ability to find security in their, in their families and in their communities, lack of food, food for the poor has been there, building houses and providing food now for 40 years. But before we go there, let's take a look at some pictures from Haiti. The first pictures you will see is a video of the parade that was put on when some pastors showed up who had bought 12 houses, purchased and built 12 houses in this community called Torak. You can start the video. The guys in the yellow shirts are our Missouri Synod pastors who are part of the group. 
very humbling when you, you are the focus of that adulation. My dog doesn't even get that excited when I come in from the garage. Maybe you put on parades for Pastor Jensen when he comes back from vacation. But this is a house that was going to be um, replaced in the future. Tree limbs stuck in the ground, canvas stretched around the tree limbs, no light except you pull down a corner from the roof. Tin, as possible, is pieced together. Guys in the yellow, and this is the kitchen. This is an acceptable, accepted way of living for many in the rural areas in a place like Haiti. Devastation has come to the city of Port-au-Prince, or capital city, but yet many homes remain destroyed years after the earthquake. This is the main thoroughfare. This is not a backwoods road. This is one of the main roads through Haiti. They sell mattresses, they'll sell bottles of water to you as one gentleman comes out and speaks to us. This is how they survive, by selling whatever they can find to other people there. There is no middle class, there is no manufacturing, there is no uh, livable, sustainable jobs there because those kinds of places simply can't survive without security and without a stable government. You see the walls and the razor wire that's around the iron gates, the green gate in the middle there. This is where, this isn't just in bad parts of town, this is all over Port-au-Prince. The yellow gate there is the iron that opens and closes when people want to go into that group of houses. These are charcoal buckets. Uh, they made charcoal out in the rural areas and are bringing them into the city in order that people have something to cook with. There's no electricity or gas, by and large, for most people. Trash is just allowed to accumulate along the roads and is often pushed into big piles in the middle of town and then they release pigs on the, on the trash to consume it. In a little while, we'll see a, a river that has had the trash dumped into. They just get rid of it because there is no way to um, take care of it. I am very thankful for trash collectors now. You know, and it's that kind of thing that we can easily lose sight of, but when it doesn't happen, life uh, is rough. So you can imagine what's happening to the water supply if this is what the rivers look like. We have the opportunity to serve in a serving line. People stand in line for hours every morning. They bring their white buckets like you see on the counter. There are also some yellow buckets that you will see. And they receive two scoops of rice in that bucket and one scoop of soup. And that's their, that's their food for their family for the day. This is just a way of life. Food for the Poor has many different lines like this throughout the city. 
and throughout uh, the country of Haiti. This young man is greeting us at a medical center, which are few. There is no safety net in these countries. There's no government support, social security, healthcare, Medicare, none of that stuff. This man is teaching us about fish varieties that are going to help the people of Haiti become better fishermen. This young lady and the slide after this are people at a handicap facility that Food for the Poor supports, that without that support, these people would have uh, nowhere to go. Food for the Poor distributes about $400 million to $500 million worth of stuff in Haiti alone. And they need two large distribution centers to be able to handle that much stuff every year. This young lady on the left is a daughter of a Missouri Synod pastor who organized our trip to Haiti as an employee of Food for the Poor. Again, the parade was tremendous. The rejoicing, not just by the 12 families who got new homes, but by the whole community. The whole community comes out, shut down for the whole day, had a party, and celebrated. We used the community center uh, that uh, Food for the Poor had built, and we had opportunity to hear from the people who received the homes as, as part of that celebration. It was hot. This was September, 95 degrees, 95% humidity, but we were all glad to be there in the community center. The lady with the hat on is the interpreter. Uh, they speak Creole in Haiti, and uh, we had opportunity to, to meet many of them. You'll see that they have nice clothes on. Well, they have church clothes. They go to church in Haiti because they don't have much else to hold on to. They don't have things, so faith becomes the most important thing. And many of us remember church clothes. They have those church clothes that they use. And these are, this is a Missouri Synod pastor dedicating the house. And once again, the parade as we enter the community, uh, giving thanks for the gift of these 12 Concrete block houses. I got to tell you, the concrete block houses are just that. 600 square feet, small living room, small bedroom, small, two small bedrooms, small kitchen, small bathroom. Light bulb hanging from the living room with a solar panel. That's the only electricity in the house. In the kitchen, you don't see any appliances. There's no sink, there's no refrigerator, there's no microwave. All they have are two slabs, one angled out to the backyard that they build charcoal fires on, one horizontal above it with two holes that they put their pots on, build their charcoal fires, and cook their food. The bathroom you would recognize, again, this is the new house that they're getting. The bathroom you would recognize because it has a porcelain toilet and tank in it. You do have to dip water out of a cistern and dump it in the tank in order to flush it to the backyard, um, to the septic system that they have. It has a chrome handle on it, and it all seems to work fine, and you think you're making progress until I had a chance to visit with the Food for the Poor staff person. And they said they would have to come back three to four times to that family to educate them 
on why and how to use the toilet. Because they're so used to going out in the woods, they've been doing that for generations, and in their mind, that works just fine. Why mess with or bother with this toilet stuff? Until they have to hear that they're polluting their water and get sick from that water, and they can't do that anymore. But I don't know what, anywhere in the United States where you have to educate people on how and why they should use a toilet. Food for the Poor has been doing this for 40 years. They raise between $800 million and a billion dollars of stuff and money every year. A lot of stuff is donated, a lot of pharmaceuticals, a lot of rice, but they have to take it from a dock in Hong Kong or Taiwan or from the United States and have the staff then to distribute that in a way that um, gets it to the people who really need it. Perhaps you're familiar with the organization Feed My Starving Children. They, f they have bag food packs. They pack rice into plastic bags. They're headquartered in Minneapolis and Food for the Poor then helps to distribute those bags because they have the infrastructure to know where that those food packs should go. In 2020, when we were electing presidents, the first week in November, there were two hurricanes that went through Honduras and Guatemala. Two Category 5 slash 4 hurricanes within a week's time went through the same area. Food for the Poor has the organization and the understanding to move tractor-trailer loads of primarily water into those communities ahead of time before the hurricanes came through, stored them in such a way so that they would survive the hurricanes and they were there then ready to distribute the water after the hurricanes had passed. In these communities, it takes that kind of organization and involvement to be able to really be of help and assistance. I'm not sure if we even did that even in Florida when the hurricane came through, but um, Food for the Poor is uh, well aware and is doing what they can also to help the people in Florida. Most of their work is done in 17 countries and recently they've been expanding to also help uh, in hurricane assistance here in the United States. One of the blessings of COVID has been uh, Zoom meetings. And I've had the opportunity now to, on a weekly basis to meet with the leaders of Food for the Poor that gather in Fort Lauderdale through Zoom meetings. And I've had an opportunity not only through my trips but and training sessions in Fort Lauderdale, but on a weekly basis to see how this organization conducts itself. And they clearly see themselves as Christ's arms and faith in action. If you can take a moment and please take out the insert that you received as you came in. It's called Faith in Action. To pull that out, you can uh, see a little bit more information that you can take a look at uh, later today, perhaps. In the middle, you see a box that called, it's called Gifts for Lasting Change. One of the things about helping the people in the Caribbean and Latin America is our money goes a lot farther. $4,900 will actually pay for half of a new home like uh, we dedicated 
uh, in Haiti. If someone donates $4,900, the remaining $4,900 will be matched by Food for the Poor, and that home will be built. People will receive photos and contacts and certificates and make a connection between whoever donates money to that house. I don't know about you, but $4,900 doesn't go very far for a new house for me. M might buy some repairs, some new carpeting, maybe some appliances, but certainly not a new home. Other things that you can see are very important to food and animals that can uh, feed people. Food for the Poor has distributed over 11 million meals this year alone and built 1,000 new homes just this year uh, in response to the earthquake as well as a general rebuild in most of these communities. The impossible. God majors in the impossible, and we see that God is able to bring healing and forgiveness even for a person like Cain and for the people of God ever since. We see that God is able to transform us into being, from being self-righteous to being humble service. God is able to give us faith and produce in us, by his Holy Spirit, the reception of that faith as a little child. God is also able to transform us to be his people of love as we care for those who are in need when our normal desire would be to care only for ourselves. May God bless your work. Thank you if you've supported Food for the Poor. If you support other organizations, that's wonderful also. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. We thank God for his blessing, for the opportunity to love and to care for his sake, for the poorest of the poor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.